I don't want to win in the gym. I don't care if I win in the gym. You know, the gym is for learning. Trying to win in the gym is great. If you get, you know, if you, if you try stuff in the gym and it works, that's awesome. Right. But if you're never like, I got to a point where I wasn't experimenting when I was training because all I wanted to do was win. This is where you're meant to be. Like, I know it. I've never. My best self is better than every single person who's going to walk on that platform that night. Gosh, man, that was, was a moment to change my life, man. Work harder than everyone else and just keep going. Get up and do it again and again and again. The journey to a better you starts right now. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Better Than Yesterday podcast. I'm your host, Angelo Kelly. On this week's show, I am joined by Chris Wojcik, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, as well as self-proclaimed blue belt in writing. He's been publishing articles on Substack and Medium for the last two years. Really hasn't stopped. He writes a ton. Um, a lot of great content that he's put out there. And I just want to say, specifically for this episode, even if you're not into the martial arts, if you're never going to step on the mat, I still think this is a valuable one to listen to. It just goes to show you that if you're willing to do something that you love and you're willing to do it for long enough, chances are you're probably going to be successful at it. Chris is one of the best grapplers in the entire world, and you probably wouldn't know it by just hearing him talk. But he just loves jujitsu and he loves writing, and that's what he's really decided to make his life into, figure out how he can do both those things full time. And I think he's managed to do a great job at it something uh, i'm inspired by and i hope you guys are inspired by it as well so enjoy this one and uh, i'll talk to you guys later we can we can give the abbreviated version so i mean you're a black belt in jujitsu which and it it's funny because like i guess karate kind of stigmatizes like black belts almost as it's like easy to get and now that i started jujitsu i'm like if somebody's a black belt and they walk in you're like all right this guy's probably been doing this for 20 years like <laughs> this is it it's just like such a such a different level that you kind of you it, it's for me it's like a respect thing almost i i if i'm not doing something well and they're like coming over to me i know that this person has probably done this move more times than i've ever trained so I'm like, all right, got to listen to them. So that's kind of my view on black belts. Yeah. It's interesting because it's like, you know, I like when I started out, I felt the same way. And then there was kind of a period like mid purple belt, black, brown. Like my coach, Jeff, is like he's been like a mentor my entire career. He would actually he'd be a great podcast guest for you. He's like a really great speaker and just really intelligent guy. But like, you know, and then I would compare all of the black belts I met to Jeff. And it's just, it's not, every, not everyone's the same, you know? And so for me, it's just like black belt is like, it's, you know, it's very difficult to attain, but it's like, it's not like, a, you know, it's, it's, for, it's not at the top of the mountain and it's also not impossible, you know? So it's like. It's like everybody who gets their black belt was a white belt at one point, you know, just a complete beginner. And all the only reason, you know, you get the you get your black belt by doing the moves and showing up and, you know, and not being a jerk. That's pretty much how you get your black belt in jiu-jitsu, if I had to put it like very simply. Yeah, and it, I mean, people are going to get it a little bit faster than others, depending on what their background was, but it's... I mean, I'm reading this book right now, Mastery by Robert Greene, and I mean, he talks about anything is basically going to be, 
you know, a seven to 10 year process. If you want to be a true master at something, black belt is kind of that level of skill. And that's what you typically see guys doing it seven to 10 years. Yeah. Sometimes way longer. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of, I like, I apply that same mindset to writing. So I started writing in 2020 during the pandemic because I was bored and I, because I couldn't train. So I just started doing it. And so 2020, it's 2020, 2020, it's 2022, right? It's 2020, that's two years. I'm like almost a blue belt, or maybe I just got my blue belt, you know, depending on how you look at it. So it's like for me, and then I look at guys who are like in in writing, guys online who are just killing it, you know, those guys have been doing it for 10 years. They started in 2013, they started 2012, they've been writing, you know, for so long. And it's like, it's just a, or even 2015, that's like a five extra years of experience, which is just like crazy, you know, seven to 10 years is a long time. So much can change, you know? What specifically about writing got you into it? It was just a, an outlet or what? Um, I mean, so I always wrote like journals and stuff just cause it was like, it helped me like when I would get anxious or if I would be stressed out, it was like, this is, if I get it on the paper and I can see it, then it's not super stressful anymore. Right. Cause when, when we can't, for me, at least when I can't see things, then I'm like, I just, I, or I think about it too much. So then when I can write it out and when I can see it, then I feel better about it. So I would do that. I started doing that when I was a kid, like when I was 12, I started writing stuff. Um, but like not a lot, you know, not consistent. Only when I was like, I would not do anything for my mental health and then I would freak out and then write stuff. And that was kind of what I did for a long time. And then I was, I always was like, ah, after I wrote, I felt better. So I learned to like writing from that. And it was kind of the only subject in school I was any good at. So I just kind of gravitated towards it. Um, and then the pandemic hit and I was, I couldn't train for a month and I was like, all right, I'm going to challenge myself to write a novel because that would, how cool would it be if I wrote a novel during the pandemic? Uh, um, that's just like how my brain works. I like, I set goals and I'm like, this is going to do it now. And so I wrote every day during the, it was like what, three months. Like the quarantine was hard. And I wrote the first draft of a novel and it's not a good novel, right? Cause it was the first thing I ever really sat down to write. It's not good, but I did it. And that was really big for my confidence. And so then from there, I started researching, like, how can I make money writing? Because making, you know, my novel's probably not going to be the thing that makes me, you know, a living. So I started researching. I ended up finding Medium. I ended up finding Substack, which is like all the places that I write. And that was kind of, it kind of snowballed from there. And then I started getting, you know, I would write things and for whatever reason, people were clicking on them. And so I would get like connections from that. Like I got some jobs ghostwriting for that. Um, and that was kind of just, it kind of snowballed from there. And now it's like, now it's just who I am. I'm the jujitsu guy who also does writing. That's like the thing. So, and that's a, I mean, that's a big goal to come out and say like, not, you know, I want to write every day and kind of see where it takes me and I'm going to do this for three months or whatever. You're like, no, I'm going to write a book. Yeah. I don't know. I was like, uh, am I allowed to swear on this? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, fuck it. Let's, let's just give it a go. You know? And I think from, because I always wanted to, like, when I was a kid, uh, I always, so I always wanted to play sports professionally. And then, you know, I wasn't a good athlete when I was a kid. I told you about when I was 12 in wrestling, it was like, it kind of became clear. I was like, I'm, I'm not going to make it to the MLB or the NBA or something like that. 
So I was like, okay, what else would I do? And I was like, Matt, I like, you know, storytelling. Maybe I can write movies because I like movies. And so I always wanted to tell stories. And then when the pandemic hit, I was like, all right, I'm going to write a novel because I would, because I can't, I don't know how to write a movie. I don't know anything about screenwriting, but I, how hard can a novel be, right? You just write the story. And so I just kind of jumped. I didn't have any like training. I watched like two YouTube videos and jumped in. And I kind of like, I'm not like self, I'm pretty self-taught, I guess, as a writer. Uh, I haven't really, and I just read a lot, you know, of things that writers write about writing. And it's like the same, it's kind of the same as like jujitsu. Like you start jujitsu and you create this goal, like I want to get my black belt. Or, you know, maybe you just start, you're like, I want to get my blue belt. But you have this goal and you can see it, right? It's really hard to come into a new activity and be like, I'm going to do jujitsu just to get better, right? That's why you should do it right like you should just write to get better at writing you should just do jujitsu to get better at jujitsu but we need to see some sort of goal to like to stay consistent especially in the early days you know yeah why i mean why you're you have to know like it has to be clear why am i gonna do this yeah it's especially like if you want to do something easy you're probably not gonna go on the mats and you know get choked out every single day that's probably not not the easiest endeavor or i mean writing's kind of the same way it's like how how many people there's there there's a million books but it's like how many people are actually getting paid full time to be professional writers yeah it's a a very uh it's funny like with writing i always get like people are always like oh yeah i want to try writing and i'm like okay then do it you know it's like it's a lot of people think that they're like I feel like so many people say, oh, I want to write a book one day. And it's like, that's not how it works. You don't just like one day write a book, you know, you're, unless you're maybe like Michelle Obama or somebody like that, who's like, you already have this audience. But even someone like Michelle Obama, she's working with a ghostwriter, right? She's working with someone who's wrote every day and like studied this craft for years and years and years and years. So it's like, you know, you have to have like, you just have to build the, the habit, right? And I was reading one article, it said you write 3,000 words a day. Do you still stick to that? Yes. So roughly 2,500 to 3,000 words every single day. So yesterday, so, and I say that because, you know, yesterday was a day off of training for me. Usually Saturday is my rest day. And so I did 5,000. And so then, you know, today will probably be an editing day. So maybe it'll be 1,000 that I'll write. Um, but that kind of goes back to when I, when I decided that I wanted to write this novel when I in, in uh, quarantine. I said I wanted to do a thousand words every day and that was my goal and I didn't know if that was a lot or a little I was just like I think that's manageable for me and so I did it and that was I just kind of built this habit of writing you know a thousand words every day and then over time it's like okay now I can do two thousand words every day and it's like now for me I can do three thousand you know because I've just, just I've been doing it every day for two years now which is you know that's almost seven it's more than 700 days that's a long time um yeah. Yeah. And I see like how many articles that you have just going through Substack and Medium. And those things pile up so fast if you actually commit to that. I think the hardest thing that people have is like they start the goal at like 3,000 words a day and you do it for three days and then you're like, oh, there's no way I can hang on to this. So, yeah. Sometimes maybe people start too big and then end up falling off instead of like you started at 1,000. It might scare you a little bit, but you're able to do it. And then if you can handle that, add in a little more, add in a little more, and then kind of see where yeah. it takes you. And the other thing is, like, I'm not scared to publish a bad article because I do so many. It's like 
they're obviously not all going to be home runs, but it's all repetition at this like craft, right? Same thing with like competing in jiu-jitsu. I'm not scared to lose a match because there's always going to be another match. You know, I'll train with anybody because if I lose, there's always going to be another training. So it's like, I just kind of stick. I like, it's, you see that, and you see this more in writing than jujitsu. There's this like kind of tortured artist, like perfectionist mentality that is like not real. Like in jujitsu, we don't really, we don't let that fly, right? If people don't want to compete because they're, they don't want to lose, we're like, that's a bad reason not to compete. But in writing, it's like if people, don't publish books or whatever because they're scared of what people think we're like oh that's okay you know and it's like for me i don't i don't i'll you know i just i just go i just keep trying stuff you know that's i just like it's it's not winging it it's like calculated winging it you know like i just keep put if you keep putting yourself out there it's like good things will happen sometimes <laughs> yeah and i mean like the hardest part is the first time that you hit publish on an article and it's like i mean I think a, lo a lot of people think that way, like want to start a podcast, want to start doing YouTube videos or, you know, want to start writing. And it's like that first one usually stops a lot of people. And yeah. for the people who do it, you're like, oh, OK, that wasn't that bad. It maybe it, in my case, when I started the podcast, just no one cared. And I was like, oh, OK, well, I can at least keep putting these out because no one cares anyway. Like I, I'll be really bad in the beginning and it's no one's going to watch it anyway. So it's like I can get these bad reps out and then down the line, maybe if I do really like this thing, I'll keep doing it. And no one will have really seen what it was like to get there. <laughs> yeah. I, so I, I write on Quora as well as Medium. Um, I, I read a, a writing, a book called The Art and Business of Online Writing about around this time last year. And it said you should start publishing on Quora every day. And I was like, all right, fuck it. I'll publish on Quora every day. And so I wrote on Quora every day for three. I said, I'm going to, I set a challenge for myself. I'm like, I'm going to publish an answer on Quora every day for six months. And so I went in my calendar. I looked up six months from the day on Google. And it said, it was like, from the time that I set the challenge, the six month date was like March 15th. And so it was like, whatever, I jumped in the challenge and I wrote every day. My first 89 answers were viewed by a cumulative total of 6,000 people. So when you divide that up, that comes out to about 60 views per answer. And to put that in perspective, Quora has 300 million users. <laughs> okay, wow. And so I'm getting 60 views per answer, right? And then my 90th answer was viewed 130,000 times over three days. Wow. You know, so it's like, you, you just gotta, you just gotta, and from there I was like, well, I'm sold. I'm just gonna keep doing this, right? You know, because I just kept going, I kept going. And that's with all this, like, you know, digital stuff, right? Or even just other stuff. It's like, you just got to keep going. You know, that's the only way the good stuff is going to happen. So if you just, you know, sit at home and talk about what if I did this, it's you're never going to know. Yeah. And I mean, you talk a lot about, um, you know, just kind of like minimizing the things that you take on. So what are those things that you want to choose to be really good at? And for you, it's jujitsu and writing, and you have those two things. And really, if you wanted to add in a third thing, one of those is going to slip. That's why um, I've been reflecting a lot when, when we decided that we were going to go ahead and do an episode. I was reading a lot of your articles and thinking, like, what do I really want to do? What are those things that I want to be good at? And looking at, okay, 
there's five things that I'm trying to be good at and they all kind of suck right now. <laughs> so it's like, let's, let's dial it back on, Hey, maybe I can't do CrossFit right now, or maybe I can't do this thing and try to really take advantage of the one or two things that you want to get good at. And you know, you, like I always tell people like, you don't have to do like one thing crazy, right? You know, if you're like, some people are, I'm like the way my brain works. I need, I like, I get obsessed with stuff like with jujitsu. When I was a blue belt in jiu-jitsu, I was training six to seven days a week, two to three times a day, every day. Like I was a crazy person, you know? And, you know, with writing, it's like I write 3,000 words a day, which is like, that's how much, I know that's how much Stephen King writes, right? You know, Stephen King, obviously, his 3,000 words look a little better than mine do, but like, you know, it's the the effort is there. Cause I just, I'm an obsessive kind of person, right? I have to like make a deliberate effort to do stuff for fun. You know, for other people, maybe it's the other way around. Some people are like, oh, I don't want to work like a crazy person. I just want to try stuff. I want to paint and I want to write and I want to go to the bar and I want to do it. It's like, that's okay, right? But you got to understand that every action that you do is going to have consequences, right? So you don't like complain that you're not getting results when you're not going to work like someone who's crazy obsessed, right? What made you stop training that much? when you were training six, seven days a week, did you get uh, injured or injuries? Yeah. So I still train, you know, I train six, seven days a week. Now, um, I train six days a week now, two to three times a day, five of those days. So I still train a lot. You know, I just, the way I train is a lot smarter now, you know, so I'm more kind of, my training is more goal oriented than it is just trying to be like, I was, I used to just like go to war in the gym every day. I was like, because uh, I, I started when I was 19 and when you're 19, your body can do crazy things and you recover. I, I remember I popped my LCL in when I was 19 or 18 training and I was back training in a week. Like it was crazy. Just like, I just would just push through everything. And then kind of, as I've gotten older, it's like things keep breaking and they're not getting better as fast. So I have to figure out a better way to do this. Um, and then when I had like an outlet, like writing, cause before I didn't have the writing outlet. So if I didn't train, I would just be, you know, I need to do something. And then now it's like, if I can't train, it's like, okay, well, I'll just write more today. It's fine. How do you structure, um, you know, say you're competing at one of these big events. Like how do you kind of structure training? I'm on the complete hobbyist side where I go two, three, maybe four days a week and, you know, do whatever they tell me to do in class. And that's kind of it. But what's it like to, to be a couple months out of these really high level competitions? Um, yeah. So the way I go about it is I look at the rules, right? So whatever the rules of the competition are, it's like, if it's IBJJF, then it's like, we're thinking about points during training. If it's sub only, we're thinking about sub only and maybe EBI overtime in training or, or ACC is like heavy wrestling focus. You know, the rules really push wrestling. So I'll just look at the rules and that's kind of how I'll build my training camp. Um, I usually, I have three hard sessions during the week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, and then Saturday or Sunday, I have a rolling session, right? So I have four really hard sessions during the week. Um, and then Tuesday, Thursday are lighter days. But if I feel good, you know, like healthy, ready to go, like last Thursday, I felt great. So I did a hard session Thursday too. But I don't always do that, right? I listen to my body. Um, and when I train for these big competitions, I think about the rules. I think about, okay, I don't want to peak today, right? So if I feel like I'm getting to this point where I'm worn down, I'm like, okay, I need to pull back a little bit because I'm getting, I'm peaking too soon, 
right? Because the way like the way the 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 graph of like athletic progress works, it looks kind of like this: like up and then down and then back up a little higher, right? So if I feel like I'm down here and the tournament's three weeks out, I need to slow down because I shouldn't be here yet, right? So kind of like the worst you feel is like a week, a week and a half out. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. And then you start to build back up. And then I taper off usually the week of, I do like two sessions and then I take a couple days where it's like drilling and kind of just having fun, just moving. You know, if I have to lose weight, I do that. Um, and then uh, just go out. And when I, I try to like, when I fight in the tournament, I want to be like the best version of myself, right? I don't want to go into the tournament worn down because I trained too hard or I don't want to go into the tournament in bad shape because I didn't train hard enough. So it's like a kind of balancing act with everything. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's variable. Um, so I come from an Olympic weightlifting background okay. and I mean, you follow the program. So it's the same thing where you have those peaks and valleys, but you know, three weeks out, you know exactly what you're going to do two weeks out. And with jujitsu, I mean, you have to rely on a training partner who's going to keep you healthy and say, Hey, today we're going at 75 or 50% and being okay with that. Like, and I'm sure the higher levels that you get, it's not, the ego probably isn't as involved as it is in the gym when you're just white belt and you're trying to tear everybody apart. Yeah. I mean, I definitely had that like kind of ego when I was younger because I was just, I had something to prove. I had like a chip on my shoulder and I wanted to show everyone that I was really good and really tough and all this stuff. And now that I'm like, you know, not that I'm old, but I'm like 25. I'm not, I'm not a kid anymore. And it's like, uh, now I'm like, okay, I don't want to win in the gym. I don't care if I win in the gym. You know, the gym is for learning. Trying to win in the gym is great. If you get, you know, if you, if you try stuff in the gym and it works, that's awesome, right? But if you're never, like, I got to a point where I wasn't experimenting when I was training because all I wanted to do was win. And so I would, and that made training boring. I didn't want to go because I was like, okay, I have to do the same moves that I do every day. It wasn't fun. And so now it's like, by making my training very goal oriented, instead of like obsessing over just like winning and training, I'm kind of thinking about different ways to achieve the goals. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I'm like sure. learning a lot more the way that I train now, which is funny. It's like now I'm black belt. I should know everything. And now I feel like now I'm learning more, you know? What's an example of a goal that you would set in training? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, one good example is we do a lot of leg locks at my gym. Um, we are like, my coach, Jeff, he was doing leg locks before leg locks were cool. You know, now it's like everyone does leg lock. We were, he taught me leg locks. And like when I first started as a white belt, he started doing leg locks in like 2000. You know, he's been doing leg locks forever. And we do a lot of positional sparring from leg locks, right? So for me, we, so say we start in 50-50, right? Or like some leg lock position where uh, there's an obvious submission available. Okay, so 50-50, for example, heel hook is right there. Okay, so you could always just go for the heel hook. And the heel hook is the most common submission you'll see in competition from 50-50. So what I'll do is I'm still trying to get a submission, but I will deliberately ignore that submission. And I'll try something else. And that's how I kind of am able to evolve in different positions. And I'm always trying new things. And it keeps training. It's, you know, training is really fun. It's like we're doing the same position we did last week, but I'm trying something completely different. And if it doesn't work and I lose, it's like, oh, okay, I lost in training. That's, you know too bad so sad you know and then go to the next round and there's not really too much time to think about your failures in the gym because you have to go to the next round right away so you might as well just you know shake it off and keep moving 
Yeah, it's it's just crazy how many different how many different like I I haven't gone into the gym and we've done the same thing like maybe twice or three times. So it's like nine months in and it's every every day is just completely different. And I'm like I'm waiting for something to come around and be like, okay, we did that. So you mentioned the leg locks. If if I get in a bad leg position, I just tap immediately because I'm like I don't know what to do from here. So I'm just that, like, that's you, smart. I mean like. You listen to our like our training. I always joke like our leg lock day. We have a, we call it leg day in the training room. You just hear people screaming tap 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 the whole time because everyone we're tapping very early because no one wants to get hurt, but we still want to get those reps right. So it's like you want to train train smart. You got to train really hard. You know you got to really push yourself to compete at a high level or even to get better. You have to push yourself, but you also have to think about like okay, I'm not invincible, which is hard for a lot of people to accept yeah do you ever face um any like imposter syndrome you know you you get your black belt at you get your black belt at 25 and it's like you kind of mentioned it a little bit like you got your black belt now you're supposed to know everything you kind of walk us through what what that is that experience is like yeah so i mean it's funny like i i you know we were just talking i had a i didn't have a good training day today i just i went to train and i felt like i was t- maybe i was tired maybe i was overtrained i don't know i was like i was missing things that i normally catch i was like my i was getting fatigued sooner than i normally do i you know i was like getting past in situations where i wouldn't normally get past i was like didn't have a great training day and i'm like i'm a black belt i'm also the 13th ranked 170 pound grappler in the world and i'm like having a bad day in the gym so it's like it kind of you get these thoughts in your head like oh maybe i'm maybe i'm just not that good i don't know and it's like when you have those thoughts you have to kind of just sort of you know you have to kind of recognize that first of all everybody has bad days even gordon ryan has bad days maybe he won't admit it but i'll tell you i have bad days all the time um and you just have to kind of remember there's okay there's always a next training session right i have to train tomorrow so it's like can't really take too much time to be upset about not having a good day in the gym or, you know, not feeling worthy of your black belt or whatever it is, because kind of the more time that you spend thinking about, you know, those kind of like thinking about the thoughts, the less time that you spend actively improving and also just the more unhappy you're going to be. Right. You know, this is supposed to be fun. Yeah, I wanted to get into that as well. Like, have you competed your entire jujitsu career? Has it always been a competition focus? Um, yeah, pretty much. I so i i started I, I started competing. My first tournament was about eleven months into training. So I started off. I just trained kind of for fun. I didn't know what I wanted. Remember, I said I wanted to fight MMA. I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I was just kind of training. I was trying boxing. I was trying Muay Thai. I was trying everything, and then. I went, I did my first jujitsu tournament and I didn't win. So I was hooked. <laughs> right. Cause if I showed up and I won, especially with my like wrestling ego, I would have been like, Oh, jujitsu, jujitsu easy. I'm not doing that. But since I didn't win, I was like, okay, now I have to learn how to win at jujitsu. And that was kind of, you know, so I've been kind of competing forever. Do you feel like it changes your relationship with the art? if you're so focused on competing and you know there's there's kind of always the next competition or the next match around the corner do you ever feel like hey i just kind of want to do this for fun so i did have uh experience with that recently um so i told you about my crazy april where i had 
West Coast trials. Then I was training in Ohio and I actually I threw out my back when I was training in Ohio. Then a week after that, I was on prednisone and I went and competed in a tournament in Minnesota for $5,000 grand prize against a guy who was bigger than me and a well-established black belt. And I was still a brown belt and I won that tournament. And then I got my black belt three days later. And then I went to Europe for another competition a week after that. So it was just this crazy month where everything was just like, I was constantly competing, constantly training, constantly pushing myself. I was like at my limit, right? Constantly cutting weight for, I have to make 77 kilos for 80 CC trials, which is tough for me. Um, and so I was just after, when I got home, I, I thought, so I took a week and I traveled in Europe and I had kind of a vacation and I thought that that was going to make me ready to come home and compete again. And it just didn't, I came home and I didn't want to compete. I was tired. I didn't want to go, you know, I needed a break. And so I had a, a tournament scheduled for the end of June and I did the tournament anyway, but I didn't train kind of the way that I normally would. I, my training was a lot more playful. I was trying things. I was, you know, just, I was practicing. My main focus in training was like buggy chokes and like, like silly stuff. Right. I was just kind of having fun. And did I have my best performance in the tournament? No, but I, you know, moved on. I went, to, I still did well. I still had fun going to the tournament with my friends. You know, it's like, I just kind of focused more on things other than just like grinding and winning. Right. Cause there's more to jujitsu than just grinding and winning. And then by July, I was like, I totally got past that funk. I was ready to go. I was back, back being me again. It was like, just, you know, you have to have periods where you're training more for fun. Uh, even if that, you know, because the, jujitsu, there's no off season, right? So it's like, there's no off season in jujitsu. You have to schedule an off season for yourself. Yeah. And I, I mean, a lot of the things that you do with, with writing and jujitsu, it's, you know, there's, there's a winner in a, in jujitsu, there's a winner and a loser. And with writing, it's like you're either getting the views, you're getting the engagement, you're kind of able to make an income off that. But it's, I mean, they're both kind of art forms and, and they are meant to be taken as something that you can do for fun. And like some people do them, some people write and they just write. And it's like, I don't want to get paid for this. I just want to write, put my articles out on Substack or whatever. But it's like, you're kind of, do you ever feel like that limits you in what you're able to do? Because you're That's a good question. You know, you you always have to compete. Basically, you're a competitor right now. So it's like, do you ever feel like that's a limiting factor? Um, it's limiting in what sense? Like limiting in terms of growth or Yeah, cuz like you you're kind of always chasing something. You know, sometimes you can have a you can have a goal, you can have a goal and it's like you're so focused on the goal versus like let me just keep going. Let me just keep showing up and kind of see where it takes me. Yeah. Um, so I really, I'm like this year, especially maybe because this year has just been so crazy. I've been really into like Eastern philosophy this year. Um, and like, you know, thinking about like detaching from the self and like being more mindful and all that stuff. And I feel like doing that makes me feel less like anxious about chasing goals right and so i like with writing i don't view like all of my articles as like pieces of art right i you know some of them i put more of my soul into than others you know if you read a few of them you can be like wow i really like heard chris in this one and then you read something else and you're like what was that 
<laughs> you know, it's like, it's just best part of the game. Um, the other thing is I'm not like married to the article, right? I just, so that's something I wrote, but that's not like, that doesn't define me as a person. Um, and especially like if you ever get like hate from people online, you know, you start to realize like, okay, I am not the things that I do. I'm more than that. So like for me, when I'm competing, I'm like, you know, yeah, I got to always compete, you know, but I don't like, I could stop if I, if I feel like I don't really don't want to anymore, I could find something else to do. Um, but in terms of like improvement as a grappler, I think that competing is one of the best things that you can do because it forces you to test the validity of your skills. What do you say to somebody who might never want to compete or thinks that they never want to compete? Are you a person who pushes competing to everybody? No, I think that, so I, I actually, I was having a conversation the other day with a blue, a friend of mine who's a blue belt and she was saying that she wanted to compete. And then she was like, act, I was like, Oh, then you should compete. And then she's like, actually I don't. And I was like, Okay, so why don't you want to compete? If you say you do and then you say you don't, that makes me think that the reason you don't want to compete is because of anxiety. And for me personally, that's not a valid reason to not compete. If you are like, there are some people um, who are just not interested in that, right? The same way they're like, I used to, when I started jiu-jitsu, I tried to get all my friends to do jiu-jitsu, like every white belt does. Because I was like, guys, this is the coolest thing ever, you know? And then some of, like, most of them didn't want to do jiu-jitsu. Like you can't force people to do things that they don't want to do. Um, but like, if you're somebody who's like, I really want to do jujitsu, but I'm scared. Then you, that's like, that's the kind of person that I'm kind of like speaking to. when I say that you should test yourself when you should put yourself out there. But if you have no interest in doing that, it's like, yeah, but you don't have to, you know, it's kind of stressful and it hurts a little bit. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't want to force anyone to do that. But like if you want it, if you don't want, if you want to do it, but you say you don't want to do it because you're scared, that's not a great reason. All right. Well, that's kind of my reason. <laughs> but uh, mine is more like, I mean, is it worth it? Like, and this is total anxiety, and like this is probably just totally in my mind. But like, if I sign up for a competition, you know, you drive there, you get there, you have to, you might have to cut a few pounds and then you get tapped out in 10 seconds. It's like, um, was that a complete waste of time? And I'm sure you're going to tell me that it's not. And it's a good learning experience, but it's like that. Can we talk, can we talk about wrestling for a second? I'll tell you why I don't think it's a waste of time. Okay. So when I was in the eighth grade, that was my second year of wrestling. So, you know, people always see my like transition from wrestling to jujitsu and they assume that I just kind of always been this like athlete when I, I was not an athlete when I was younger. Right. So when I was in seventh grade, I wrestled and I won four matches and I lost 15 in my first year. Okay. So that's not a great record. Um, but it was my first year. So I was like, whatever, I'm going to, you know, it's fine. I'm going to get better. The next year I went back, I won four matches and I lost 30. Okay. And so I spent, and one of my wins was by forfeit. So I really won three, minutes, but I counted the forfeit because it was, you know, and I just felt like, you know, for me, I, I was no longer scared of losing cause I lost so much. I was like, you know, it was like, it hurt. I got slammed on my head. I got, you know, pinned every, like, but I would go to a tournament, have three matches, get pinned three times. And it was like, it sucked and it wasn't fun, but in terms of like, improvement like sometimes the improvement just comes in feeling less anxious 
right? Like sometimes you don't, you go compete and you don't feel like you got better, but you feel like you confronted the fear. And that's, to me, that's a win, right? And, you know, people will be like, you know, maybe that sounds corny, right? But it's like, you have to have like realistic expectations for yourself. Like you're not going to be Buchecha at your first tournament. It's just not going to happen. You know, maybe if you're like really talented, maybe, but like for most of us, it's like just going out there the first time is that's really, a, that's a win, right? Because you're, you're already, by doing that, you're beating all the people who are too scared to sign up. Yeah, it's funny because I would tell people to compete in weightlifting with no hesitation. Like, do it, sign up. Yeah. And then when it comes to jujitsu, I'm like, oh God, like, do you want to go into work with two black eyes? Or, <laughs> uh, like, what's and i mean you think worst case scenario obviously probably yeah. none of those things would happen and you know it, i mean if you do get injured it's most likely your fault where you just didn't tap early enough yeah i mean that like that's that like those fears are definitely valid i'm not gonna be like no don't worry about it like it's definitely a legitimate concern but i think that the benefit outweighs the risk because not only in like in terms of like like because in the short term it's like in the short term it seems like it doesn't make sense right because you're paying money to go to this tournament to fight somebody right yeah. that's what competing in jiu-jitsu is at the beginner level it's like you're paying money out of your pocket no one's you know especially like no i had no sponsors for the first few years it's like i'm paying 130 dollars to go fight and then you know for me it was like i'm paying 130 dollars and i'm flying to fucking miami to fight some guy who wants to kill me you know it's like it seems like it's not a good investment but like in terms of like ex first of all experience right i got so much competition experience i've had like hundreds of jiu-jitsu matches at this point um where i like when i'm competing now i still feel this like physical sensation of anxiety where like my heart rate races i can feel like i get sweaty i gotta go to the bathroom a bunch it's like i still feel these things but I don't see them as like bad things anymore, you know? And then now whenever I struggle with anxiety in regular life, I'm like, okay, this is, I'm used to feeling this at jujitsu, but I'm feeling it in a different place now. And it's not like, I'm not scared of the sensation in my body. Does that make sense? It's like kind of a, like a mindfulness type thing for me. And that's partially because I've just done it so much, you know, like I'm just really comfortable in that setting yeah you wrote the the one article i really enjoyed was talking about making your comfort zone bigger so i mean if you're constantly doing stuff that you're fucking terrible at you're gonna always you know be scared and you're always gonna have that anxiety but if you do things you do them once and you do them twice you do them three times it's like that becomes your comfort i'm sure writing was kind of like that for you yeah where maybe putting out the first article was uncomfortable but then you do 30 in a month or two and it's like okay yeah so now it's comfortable yeah so especially like for writing it i especially noticed this because like when i started competing i was so young that it's like you're not really thinking about like your personal development when you're 13 it's like just not on your mind you're thinking about like ice cream and stuff but like for me when i started writing i was like super anxious about the first article and i was like okay i'm gonna put it out and see what happens and then so i put it out and it so it actually did well it got picked up by a publication on medium which i was not expecting 
Um, and then uh, I was like, okay, I'll do one a week for a month. And then I started doing it. And then all of a sudden, like after like three weeks, I wasn't scared to publish. I was excited to publish them. Like, you know, because I was like, oh, now I get to publish my article. It's Sunday, you know? And then, then I started reading about writing on the internet and I was like, well, now I'm not scared anymore. Let's try two articles. And then for a period that was like, uh, so I started writing in November, 2020 on medium. I put, I did one article a, a week from like November to December, then January, February, I did two articles per week. And then, uh, uh, March, April, I did three and then something clicked in July. And I just was, that was when I started going as much as I could. And now I'm up to doing, um, like 15 to 20 a month usually. Wow. That's crazy. So it was like, you know, I'm, I think that you really like, don't go crazy right off the bat, you know, like it's competing in jujitsu is the same way. Don't compete every weekend. If you just started jujitsu, that's a horrible idea, you know, but maybe try one, you know, and then, if it goes well and there's another one coming in two months and you had fun, do it again. You know, if you want to skip this one, that's okay. You know, even like just going once at every belt is fine, you know, because if you don't love it, you, you shouldn't do it. Yeah. Do you, ha do you have like a specific goal that you want to do writing? Is it like something you're looking to do as a full-time job or kind of how does that look? Yeah. So uh, writing goals are difficult because they're like, it's so the online writing space changes so much. Like when I started writing, I literally didn't know what Substack was, right? I started doing medium and then I was like, okay, all they say, all the bloggers say you should have a newsletter. So I'm going to make a newsletter and Substack is easy to use. So that's how I found that one. And, you know, from there it's like, it's like, okay, now I'm going to chart. Now I have my premium Substack, And then I, I, I got ghostwriting gigs and I'm like, Oh wow. Ghostwriting is very, it's like very lucrative. So I'm going to, you know, do more ghostwriting. And then it's like yeah, every writer, I'd like to write a book one day. Um, but I really am like, I just want to be the best writer that I can be. And I think that the, like for me personally, I think I have more talent as a writer than I did as an athlete or do as an athlete. I think I'm a good athlete. I think I've, you know, proven that but i think that as a writer i'm more like i have more natural ability if that makes sense so i think that if i stick with it i think i can do really well um and i don't know what really well looks like i wish i could give you a like concrete like this is what it looks like but i just feel like i could do i can do really well in this and so that was that's kind of why i try to stick with it as much as i can yeah and I, I was just asking because you, you write a lot of really relevant stuff. And I'm not just saying it because I'm talking to you, but you your articles are really good. I really enjoyed reading them. And there there's a lot of things that I was just, hey, let me reflect on this. And, you know, you talk about just doing it every day. And it's like you have so many articles out there. I discover you a couple weeks ago and then go back. And it's like I'm scrolling back and scrolling back. And you got all these articles. And it's like you really never know when it's going to take off. It could, you know, you could have wrote all these articles and then three three years from now somebody discovers you and it's like, hey, I'm looking for somebody to write a memoir for me. And then, yeah. boom, yeah. it happens. Well, and jujitsu is the same way. You know, like, I didn't make any money doing jujitsu for, like, six years. I've been doing jujitsu seven. Yeah, so this year was the first year I really started kind of, like, to make a living doing jujitsu. Before I was doing... Uh, I did a, so I was in school for a while. So I was living with my parents. And then when I started out of college, I was doing uh, like a lot of freelance copywriting to kind of like pay for stuff. 
Um, because it was like that. I literally, I was like, I need to train every day. And jujitsu, I feel like, is going to pay me back eventually. I just don't know when. And then, you know, so I was doing that on the side. And then this year was the first year that I started to, like, compete professionally. I started to get to do seminars. I started to, you know, be able to do more private lessons and to teach more. And I'm doing my first uh, jiu-jitsu DVD coming up. In next, I'm going out to film next weekend to do that. And it's like, you know, I did this for six years and I, it was a very negative investment for a long time, right? I got a lot of injuries, pretty much paid all my, all my money was to jujitsu for a long time and I didn't see any ROI. And then now I'm kind of seeing it. And I think writing, I'm already seeing ROI and I'm, I still feel like I'm like a baby, you know, I like I'm a blue belt and I'm doing, and it's going pretty well. So I just, I want to see what happens. Do and I think that, oh, I, sorry. I was just going to ask, like, would you have looked at it as a failure if you didn't do those things? Like, say you got your black belt and you, you know, nobody wanted private lessons or nobody wanted to fly you out to compete in this thing. Would you have looked at it as like, I don't know, like, it, it, was it always on your mind that it's going to, you know, one day it's going to pay off? Because I think a lot of people think that way. I'm going to do this thing and one day it's going to pay off. And it's like, what if you do it for this long? nothing ever happens from it then you got to love the thing right so like for me i love doing jujitsu i like i love going to the gym every day i see my friends from jujitsu are amazing you know i love going to the i love doing jujitsu so doing like when i'm doing when i'm training when i'm training to compete when i'm teaching it's like i don't have a real job this is like i'm just, i'm so lucky and I, I love what i'm doing so much that it's like that that alone is worth more than any cash prize or any like medal, you know, or any like success or anything like that, you know, and writing is the same way. Like I would still write if I wasn't getting paid for it. I would just maybe, you know, maybe I would write a little less, but I would still write every day. I still do jujitsu every day. You know, you have to like love the thing. Is there any advice that you would give to people who, you know, they don't have any of those things? It's like, Hey, I don't have any hobbies because uh, yeah. it's so easy to look at you and be like, okay, you have this thing that you do. You're a professional at it. You're really good. And I mean, we ignore the seven years of <laughs> hardship to get there, but like, what, it, what about that person who's like at their cubicle listening to this? And it's like, how do you find that thing? It's, I mean, I'm not going to say it's easy, right? it's really hard to find something that you love that you're good at. Um, I've been reading about uh, Ikigai a lot. Are you familiar with Ikigai? No. Um, let me see if I can pull it up really quick. It's I literally, I, my, one of my last couple of Substack articles was about it. Here we go. So Ikigai is, I just, I, there's a, like an image that really goes well with it. Um, here we go. So Ikigai is essentially the, uh, it's what do you love? What are you good at? Does the world need it? And can you get paid for it? Basically. Mm. Right. So Ikigai is kind of a great way to think about like finding purpose. Right. So, and it doesn't have to be direct. Right. So it's like, what do you love? It doesn't have to be like doing jujitsu or writing or podcasting or anything that you love. It's like, maybe you just love helping people. Right. And then it's like, okay, does the world need it? Yeah, the world needs people who help people, right? And then maybe how can you get paid to help people so that you can, you know, have food and have a house, right? And then uh, what was the other thing? Um, 
And then, uh, all right, are you good at it, right? So it's like, can you do something well? And from there, then you can look for, maybe not, like I used to do this when I was like out of college looking for jobs. I would like look for jobs that were loosely connected to my skills, right? So I was like, okay, what am I good at? I'm good at writing. Um, does the world, you know, does this company need a writer? Yeah. Okay, but what is this company like? If I don't like them, then I'm probably not going to write well for them. Like I had a few job interviews that were great. I'm like I'm good at a job interview, but then once like they asked me to come into the cubicle, I just couldn't do it. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I just feel like if you're stuck, you know, you just you really got to try stuff. You know, you got to think about yourself. You got to be kind of self aware, and then you have to use that kind of knowledge that you gain uh, gain from your self awareness to experiment. Yeah. And I, I mean, also read your Substack and Medium articles. Also, yeah, also do that. <laughs> I mean, you, you talk a lot about like just kind of the BS that's in this self-help industry. And I, I mean, there's so many motivational things out there. And there's so many people who kind of claim to have the answers. And there's a lot of people who are just fucking stuck and who will like never take action. But for those people, I mean, it's like, and you can do all those things like does the world need it um you know look look at all those things and maybe you can't get paid for it maybe that's okay maybe you need to do it anyway because i mean there's how many people are going to get paid full time to do jujitsu probably probably not a ton maybe it'll kind of blow up um i'm not too much into the sport so i haven't seen kind of the progression of that as like grappling as a sport i know like one championship is kind of bringing more eyes to it but yeah it's still kind of at this niche thing where it's like if you're getting into it to get paid you got to be really fucking good you're probably not going to be <laughs> I, I always tell people i'm like if you want to make money don't do jujitsu professionally like that's a stupid idea you know if you love jujitsu more than you love making money then then you might want to think about doing jujitsu professionally right you know because it's like it's the First of all, the chances of success are low. And even if you do succeed, you know, like Gordon Ryan is literally the one in a million case of someone who made a million dollars doing jiu-jitsu, right? Most people who do jiu-jitsu, they like a lot of, there's a lot of successful people in jiu-jitsu, right? But they're not, their success doesn't come from like winning at jiu-jitsu. Maybe they take lessons they learn from jiu-jitsu or, you know, there's also like a heavy correlation between like personal development interest and doing jujitsu because doing jujitsu forces you to look at yourself a lot and like evaluate where you are, you know, technically, mentally, all this stuff. And so I think that, you know, it kind of makes sense that people are into jujitsu and, but they're not like, most people don't make money doing jujitsu. Right. You yeah. got a lot of it. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. Like you said, every white belt is telling everybody that they need to do jujitsu and, um, you know, I'm at that point. <laughs> yeah, but it, yeah. it's funny, like how many different life principles that you see from just showing up and like being bad at something. I think one of the things that I like about it the most is, I mean, you see a nice car in the parking lot, and it doesn't matter whose car that is. When you get on the mats, like you gotta go with that black belt, and you're either better than him or you're not. And it's like you're you're able to. I mean, how many jobs is like, do people really get to test themselves and be like, this is exactly where I stand. Like this person's better than me. This person's not better than me. And there's kind of no hierarchy 
But when you get on the mats, it's like, hey, this person's been doing it way longer than me, and they're just better, and it, there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. But the the only way I can get to that level is to just keep showing up, and that's it. Yep, yeah, and that's, I mean, that's, yeah, that's it. You nailed it. That's jiu-jitsu. Um, and, but that's why I think that it, it's like, it attracts these like people who are like very successful. Like there's, uh, some of my training partners, there's a guy who he's like super wealthy guy. He like loves jujitsu, right? It's like, it's kind of, it's, it's interesting because jujitsu is like kind of a gritty sport, right? You wouldn't expect like a white collar person to want to come get beat up after work, but they do because they're attracted to that kind of competitive element, that hierarchy, that kind of the there's there's room for growth there's room to make progress um and people are that's what people like about it is that they can get better and it's like it's very empowering to feel yourself getting better at stuff and that makes you kind of like for me when i started jiu-jitsu i was like 17 i had just finished a mediocre wrestling career i was like okay my whole life if my whole life goes the way my wrestling career went my life's gonna be pretty freaking boring <laughs> And then, you know, when I started doing jiu-jitsu, I was like, okay, the more that I put into this, the more that I get out. And then from that, it like kind of spiraled, you know, spiraled out of control a little bit. And I, you know, jiu-jitsu kind of took over my life. But now, at you know, at this point, I'm like, if I put the effort into anything that I put in, like if I put a fraction of the effort into anything that I put into jiu-jitsu, I can get better at it, you know, whether it's personal relationships, whether it's, my writing, whether it's trying to grow like my online business, whatever. If I put that time in, then I'm going to see some result, you know, maybe I'm not like the most talented. I'm definitely not the most talented grappler out there, but I like, I beat guys who are way more talented than me just by, you know, outworking them. Yeah. And all those things like you, you can't buy it there. There's no amount of money that you can pay for that belt. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, you can try, but you can't. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man. Well, where can people uh, find the Substack and Medium and, and support your journey even more? Yep. So the best way is to check out my Substack, which is called The Grappler's Diary. Um, and then uh, also check my Instagram out, which is uh, Chris M. Wojcik. Uh, that's kind of for my jiu-jitsu stuff. And then for writing, I am uh, at Chris Wojcik on Medium. Um, yeah, so Substack, Grappler's Diary. Chris M. Wojcik on Instagram because the Chris Wojcik was taken. And then uh, just regular, just Chris Wojcik, no M on Medium. Is there one that supports you anymore? Um, so if you become a paid member on Medium, then that helps me a lot. Uh, I have a premium section on my Substack that is kind of like extra, it's uh, $7 a month. It's just kind of extra articles. And then, uh, Instagram just helps build the brand for jujitsu, but you know, any support I appreciate, I try to, you know, I try to respond to every comment, try to respond to every email, everything I get. Cause I just, I, it's crazy that I get any support at all for this. You know, it's awesome. Well, awesome, man. Thanks so much for coming on. Awesome, dude. Thank you.